Well, welcome to Tough Men of Faith. RT? Is that what we call it? Yeah. 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 Tough Men of Faith. Uh, tough Men of Faith. Yeah. All right. It's already out of control in here. Somebody pulled me aside this weekend and said, I listened to that Strong Men of Faith uh, podcast you always do. <laughs> I said, well, it's close, but you didn't, you didn't quite get it. Well, it's already out of control. We have a guest with us today, and he's already uh, ragging on our equipment. Said it looked like a mouse got a hold of it or something. Yep. He's, uh, it's going to be a good episode. <laughs> it um, is. It's going to be one where I think I get in trouble or maybe ask not to come back. I'm not sure. No, this is one where the uh, producer Blake's going to have to edit a lot out. Yeah, it's okay. That's <laughs> pretty normal. These are high hopes. They <laughs> yeah, right. I was waiting for my introduction. Yeah, oh, sorry. He's getting ready to introduce you. I, I couldn't do it, man. <laughs> so we have Daniel Earl with us. Welcome, Daniel. Hey, it is good to be here. And yes, it does look like um, there was uh, some type of rodent. Yeah, something was chewing on it for sure. Yeah. Well, there's this. This is probably Nick's old mic covers. Yeah, some beard <laughs> scratching. Yeah, his beard scratches before uh, my. My awesome dentist straightened my teeth out. You know, I, I used to get caught up on the uh, foam around the microphone. Nick's trying to get Invisalign to sponsor us. I yeah, think. Is that I'm it? trying. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, it works better on video. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, they did a good job. So we're worried. We we talk about going to video maybe next season, but the issue is Nick's face. Yeah. Oh, we're gonna yeah. our listening content or our listeners are gonna go way down. Oh. Yeah. Got a, a face made for podcast. Uh, yeah, yeah. A face that's, made for radio. For both sure. of us do. Yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> Yep. Yep. Uh, well, Daniel, it's good to have you. Um, it's great to be here. I really appreciate the invite. So I met you. I we try to like say how we know the guest. Yeah. So I used to look up to you. I mean, I still oh. do. I just haven't seen you in a long time. Well, that's only because I'm taller than you. Well, that's yeah. It's, <laughs> listen, speaking of that, what happened? No, that picture that Blake put up on our the uh, like yeah, social the last, media uh, with uh, Marcus. It made me look about four foot two it next did. to you guys. Um, <laughs> We're going to hold you up like we take fishing pictures. Where you hold the fish closer to the camera. Yeah. I'm going to have to do that. If you call me fun size again, I'm kicking your I shit. Would, I will never maybe do that again. Maybe that's a stringer. He's a, you know, a fish stringer. Yeah, he's a fish stringer. <laughs> <laughs> we're not taking photos anymore. What was yeah. I saying? No, I used to look up to you. Yeah. We went to a high school. Well, you were in high school. I was in yeah. elementary school. And actually, you can see behind you is my horseshoeing tools. Oh, um, yeah. I don't use them anymore. But uh, <laughs> you were in the rodeo back in the day. I was. And I wanted I was... to be in the rodeo when I was a little kid. Yeah. Like, that was my goal, right, to, to do it. And so, you mind if I share this story? No. Okay. Share away. Okay. okay. Man, this is going to be fun stuff. I couldn't wait to be in the rodeo. And <laughs> yeah, you, you could. Know, <laughs> I, I was always talking to my dad about Daniel and, like, he was in the rodeo. And then there's one time when you didn't come back to school for a while. Yeah. After rodeo, and I heard uh, rumors that a bull stuck his horn in one side of your cheek and did some damage. And I remember when you finally came back to school, I was like, "You know what? I don't want to be in the rodeo anymore. <laughs> I'm not as tough as man of faith I thought I was." Um, yeah, <laughs> is that? Well, do, you, do you remember that? You know, people ask me, you know, how'd you lose your teeth? And I say, <laughs> by eating rare steak. I mean, it was very rare. It was still alive. <laughs> Wow. You don't want to eat steak when it's still alive, I can tell you so that. So you were rodeoing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so... You were um, young, right? Yeah, 16, yeah. Yeah, yeah nice. I... Um, you know, when I was just a kid, I remember I went to my first rodeo, and I don't know, man, it just... Uh, I couldn't get it out of my head. Yeah. I played rodeo. I mean, everything was just rodeo, and... Um, I was born in, you know, downtown Indianapolis, but my parents were originally from Kentucky. Okay. And so my grandfather had what some people would call a hobby farm, but what he called a way of life because he was born in the Depression era. And so everything was kind of hand to mouth, you know. Yeah. But going down there, um, and we lived in Fountain Square, I mean, like heart of downtown Indy. And so when we got a chance to go down there, I just I fell in love with the rural life and the country and the woods. My parents... Um, my dad moved 
down eventually to Kentucky. He inherited the home place, and nice. their house is the last stop before the Appalachian. Appalachian. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm trying to speak English, yeah. but Appalachians <laughs> for a long time. Nice. So lots of hills, woods, and yeah. um, I saw my first rodeo, and I was like, man, that's we're going to do that someday. But yeah. growing up downtown Indiana, I had no idea how to do it. Um, right. Yeah, but, where do you even uh, start? Yeah, well, come to find out, they had a they had a rodeo school. Okay. And um, I saved up my White Castle job money. Nice. <laughs> and uh, signed up for this rodeo school. And uh, went there, and the very first bull I got on, I covered for eight seconds. Really? You know, and they were all like, oh, you're a natural. I was <laughs> like, no, I am scared yeah. to get off. <laughs> That's what How do you get off yeah. this thing? Right. I mean... Come to find out, bull riding is really easy. Yeah, it's Dismounting, the chase afterwards, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's where it gets a little tricky, but no, it's my first. Uh, so when you're in high school rodeo at the time, you could ride in the IPRA, which is a semi-pro league, on your high school card. And so, yeah, we uh, went to Saginaw, Michigan, and I was uh, in my first amateur rodeo, and man, <laughs> I just got... Yeah. Smashed. How do you not get hooked? There's no <laughs> yeah. helmets back then, right? Did you? No, you know, Lane Frost, uh, it was right. So Lane Frost is a famous bull rider who got killed. And um, it was right around that era, just around the time of his death. And so they made the some... movie about? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, eight seconds. Yeah, I've seen Eight that. seconds is about Lane Frost. Okay. But yeah, there was, there was no, I mean, your cowboy hat was yeah, the, that's it. most of the safety equipment. <laughs> In high school, you had to wear a mouthpiece. Okay. That was that yeah. was the rule, and Very. I remember. So in this rodeo, we went there, and I saw the bull, the pin of bulls buck the night before, and I was like, "Man, I just, I don't care what I draw. I just hope I don't draw this one bull." Yeah. And man, sure enough, that was a bull I drew. <laughs> God said, "Watch and, this." <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it was Sunday, and the bull's name was a Reverend, and he smashes my face, and I'm like, "So rule for life now. Yeah. Don't ride the Reverend on Sunday." Yeah, right. <laughs> It ends badly, but I remember I got hit in the face, right? And so I step off back behind the chutes, and I was kind of like, oh, that, that kind of hurt. Yeah. You know, that kind of rung my bell. Yeah. And I remember I took my mouthpiece out, and I was like, what is in my mouthpiece? I had nine teeth stuck in it. Yeah, and I was like, oh, that's my face. That's in my mouthpiece. Oh, man. And I don't, yeah, I don't want to be too gruesome, but yeah, it was, man. And everybody says, you know, I'm sure that's the last time you rode in a rodeo. <laughs> no, not even close. Yeah, not even close. <laughs> I already lost my teeth. What else do I yeah. have to lose? Right? <laughs> yeah. So you got back on after that? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah, many times. Um, it was, matter of fact, um, I was recovering from a, another rodeo injury yeah. at the age of 29. I found out my little girl was on her way. Oh, nice. And I thought, you know, this little girl, she deserves things in life like a father who can walk. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, and and so I, I, I had even planned to get back on after that. But, you know, after that, I was kind of like, you know, no, I'm I'm a dad. I've got some responsibilities and she deserves to have a dad. Who yeah. Can be there for her. So might be a great bachelor party idea or something. Though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for somebody you don't like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, haven't we talked about this before? I, I think we have. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. So, but there was a tough men of faith podcast that you guys talked about, you know, your daughter, like thinking about yeah. your daughter walking her down the aisle. Right. So, yeah. Well, we yeah. It's kind of start changing the way you live. We did. Yeah. So yeah you, on your health you and be here for, yeah. uh, for those special moments. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so I haven't really, like, since then, I I lost contact with you. You graduated, and then yeah. we just recently well, reconnected. 
Right? Yeah, almost. <laughs> uh, connected over... I didn't quite graduate, but oh, well, <laughs> that's a different story. <laughs> well, maybe we'll get there. Yeah. I just remember you're no longer at the school, um, <laughs> which makes sense. Bull riders, right? So, okay. Yeah. But yeah, this recently reconnected uh, at a friend's memorial service. And yeah. So this kind of, we just kind of want to hear your story, how you came to Christ and what got you to the point you're at now in life. And I know you're doing a lot of incredible ministry and things like that. And we'll talk about that, but yeah. How did Daniel Earl arrive to where he's at now? Man, that is What's such, that faith journey look that like? That is such a great, great question. Um, so I was born at a very young age to a mother and father. Oh, okay. and, <laughs> but you <made> yourself, <laughs> I was like, like yeah, zero. <laughs> Most people are born at zero. <laughs> Sorry, Nick, you don't get all the jokes today. But. All right. <laughs> he's been listening to podcasts. Yeah, right. <laughs> I have, yeah. I kind of know the vibe here. Uh, but it's a great podcast. You should listen to it. Thanks. I guess if you're listening to it, you do listen to yeah, it. Yeah, I listen yeah. to it. <laughs> But no, um, so I was born to parents, uh, you know, my dad, he was actually a country music singer for many years, played with some people you may have heard of, like Elvis, Johnny Cash, played the Grand Ole Opry, and he was saved out of that lifestyle. And so by the time I came along, dad was um, in church. So I was born and raised in a Christian family. My uncle was a pastor. And um, right here, I mean, you know, when I was born, they brought me here to Villa Baptist Church for their, yep. my baby dedication. And nice. I was baptized in that baptistry out there, nice. you know, raised in the Christian faith. Had a wonderful upbringing. My parents truly were fantastic, amazing people. But, you know, because Dad had come out of the music business, he didn't have a lot of uh, practical work skills, but he had to leave that lifestyle. It wasn't right for him, and so... In coming along with all that, we, we grew up, you know, my dad, he made sacrifices mm-hmm. to, to follow Christ. And um, that was a natural part of our growing up. That's awesome. Was to understand what the Christian faith means to be lived. And what the sacrifices are. Yeah. Yeah, to watch other people making those sacrifices. Yeah, so, you know, very committed Christian family. And then when I was, uh, man, you know, 16, became a teenager started discovering more about life than I, I probably needed to or should have or was good for me, and um, really started started this drift from about the age of 15 to 18. My high school years are really started this drift. 18, I decided to drop out of high school, brilliant decision, and become a rodeo <laughs> bum, and uh, wow, you know, that, that really took its toll on my parents, but at the age of 21, I came to a moment when it was a mono a mono kind of moment where I thought to myself, you know, here's the deal. If God is real, then he deserves my everything because he's God. And if he's not real, then I'm through playing. I'm just, I'm not playing anymore. Yeah. And so I said, you know, I'm going to take this Bible and I'm going to sit down and I'm going to read it until I know like either he's real or not. Hmm. And I kind of did that thing, you know, through the prayer in the air. And I said, Lord, you know, this is it. If, if we're going to do this, I just, I want you to show up or leave me alone. One of yeah. the two. And I got to, didn't get far. I got to Genesis chapter six and it talks about, um, there's a verse in there that says, my spirit will not always strive with man. And I think for the first time it hit me that God's got choices in this thing. Yeah. That he doesn't have to put up with me. Right. Now, <laughs> it doesn't work like Theologically and doctrinally, you know, I know he's not going to give up on me because I was saved at an early age, but that thought hit mm-hmm. me that what if God decided to walk away? Yeah. I mean, what are you going to do if God decides he's not going to speak to you anymore? Yeah, you don't have a chance. Yeah. How do you entice a deity to love you? Right. You know, I mean, what, <laughs> yeah. how's that work? 
You know, and it says that it grieved God at his heart. And I I began to see that God, not only does he have choices, but he has emotions in this thing, like he's tied up. And it hit me that for a long time, I've been grieving God. Like sin wasn't just a bad idea. It was a bad deal. Right. And that day I said, you know what, God, that's it. I'm I'm, I'm yours 100% totally all in. You're my God. I'm your man, you know. And so started serving the Lord. And uh, started doing bus ministry, children's ministry, became children's pastor, running the bus routes, you know, living the good life. And then things kind of fell apart shortly after my daughter was born. Um, <laughs> I I had what I call my sinbatical. I've <laughs> <laughs> heard that before. So, right? Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, um, just a time where I... Life was just coming apart. My marriage was in trouble, and I made it worse. Ended up going through a divorce, and um, it was a really terrible time in my life. Lost everything. When I mean I lost everything, I mean I really lost everything. And at that point, I really started dealing with some heavy depression. I know this is probably a whole lot more than anybody wanted to hear, but, you know. No, we want to hear it um, because we want to hear how God uses really people. Real. And, uh, and people um, that go through everything that is really real, you know. Yeah. I mean, you went through some real stuff, and people wanted to hear that and how God's using you now. Yeah. Same thing. You know, I've been through some stuff, and RT's been through some stuff, and, you know, if we can relate to anybody or anybody can relate to us, let's let's talk about it. Yeah. You know, if it only brings one more person that's doing something good. Yeah, so I went through that real dark place of depression. You know, I thought life is over, thought ministry is over. Um, you know, I, I really, honestly, I just I just wanted to, to die. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I know a little bit about that depression and, and some of that. And I felt like I'd failed God, failed so many people, and I had. But God wasn't through. He wasn't even close to being through. And so I got hooked up with this ministry called The 99. And so I'd done some acting, some film and theater work. And 99 was a traveling ministry, and they were looking for people to do, like, acting theater work. It takes a long time to explain, so I won't go into all of it. But. <laughs> okay. I brought in a resume. I'm the only guy that brought in a resume. So I've got, you know, stage, I've got tech, I've got everything you need to know to bring me on. And, and they didn't bring me into any of those positions. Great. And uh, I was kind of like, you guys don't know what you're missing out on here. I'm a really good deal. And so the one guy, he's like, no, you're going to be working with Larry and go talk to Larry. And I go talk to Larry and Larry's like, yeah, you're my preacher. And I'm like, no, Larry. Wait a minute, you got the wrong guy. I, that's exactly what <laughs> that's, I told him. That's not him. on my resume. Yeah, that's the one thing I didn't put. I didn't want to do anything ministry related. Yeah. I was just there for theater stuff, right? <laughs> Funny and how often like, we have this conversation. Yeah. I didn't want to do anything ministry related either. And RT brings me on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> right? Well, Larry, Larry, he's like, you're my preacher. And I'm like, no, I'm not. And he said, well, that's funny because the Holy Spirit told me you were. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, dude. And I, I just told him my story. Yeah. I was like, look, I used to be a preacher. I'm not anymore. And he said, well, you know, the gospel's bigger than you. And I said, yeah. I said, I know the gospel's bigger than me. It's all bigger than my accomplishments, everything I can do. And he was like, well, if it's bigger than all the stuff you can do right, isn't it bigger than all the stuff you can do wrong? Oh, man, man, that just melted me. <laughs> I went home and I couldn't get away from that. Yeah. And over the next couple of weeks... It was the first time I went back to sharing the gospel. And I can't tell you what that time was like. But, you know, God was using me at the time when I felt like I was the lowest, worst of my life. And and after that, I was like, man, God, I'm just, I'm back in. You know, I mean, right. I don't know if I'm allowed to come, yeah. come back in or work my way back in or whatever. But, you know, I found that grace 
is just so much bigger, broader, vaster, wider, deeper. And then after that, it was just a friend of mine called me. He's like, we need help at our church. And I'm like, oh, I didn't want to get back into all this. But I was, you know, but God just gently led me back into this. And now I will just say that I am amazed every day at how God continues to use my life, continues to have communion and fellowship with me. I'm humbled by it. I'm amazed by it. And it gives me a unique opportunity to sit down with people who have been through some stuff and say, man, look, God's not even close to being done with you. Mm. You know? Yep. <laughs> um, further on and further in yeah. is what Lewis called it in the Chronicles of Narnia. And I think when you get the fact that this is a story about your Redeemer, it's not a story about Nick. It's not a story about yep. R.T. or Daniel. This is a story about Jesus yep. and how great of a Redeemer he is. Yep. And when I really connect with that, because I, I always... I picture myself as Superman, mm-hmm. but I'm not Superman. I'm Lois Lane. <laughs> you know Hold what on I mean? a second. This podcast is taking a weird turn. <laughs> I know. I know, right? But look, and that's tough for us guys. It really is to yeah. think, no, I'm the one tied up on the on the railroad track, you know, with the villain over there. <laughs> yeah. you know? I'm the one waiting for the Savior yeah. to show up. And I think when I get that in my head, then I can understand who Jesus is. Yeah, that's a great great illustration because um, as guys we always think like we're the, the tough guys we're the bull riders right like we yeah. can handle stuff I always talk about the story of David and Goliath where we always want to think that we're David like we're the ones that's going to destroy Goliath with the rock right and that's how we picture ourselves when we play the Bible movie out in our head but the truth is we're Israel on the ground hiding behind the rocks yeah and you know Jesus is the one fighting our Goliath and our battles for us so yeah yeah yeah, so there's there's a lot, man. I've dumped a lot. That you have. <laughs> I feel like I've talked a long time. You have. I think we're at about a place we could. Let Good me ask you about whatever we talk <laughs> yeah. about ministry. Yeah. We will. I got a couple questions for you. Yeah, go ahead. Anything. All right. So, what is it that makes you feel inspired? Jesus. I, I mean, I know that's like the pat answer, yeah. but like when you get the fact that he came here to this earth to live a life, it makes me think: What did he value so much? that he came and did this for 33 years. Right. And I get excited about the fact that God has created a life for us to live. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, you could get saved and just pop straight to heaven. Yeah. But, you know, Jesus lived 33 years for a purpose. Right. And I want that same experience. I say it this way. Life is a limited time offer. It really is. There's nothing else in the known universe mm-hmm. quite like life on planet Earth. And I think that's enough to really make me excited about living. Yeah. So I know you're, we're talking about this briefly off air, like you're doing some things in Africa. We are, yeah. Can we talk some about that? Like what Man, you're going on? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, <laughs> nothing normal excites me. I should say that. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. it's got to be like a 12 to get my juices going, but... Um, so Africa ministry, basically we were contacted by a guy, um, who lives in Ghana and we led him to the Lord. We discipled him and he started getting really passionate about the villages in Africa that are remote villages that aren't reached by NGOs, non-governmental organizations. Okay. They're kind of forgotten. And so he became passionate about that. You said they were kind of off the beaten path, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. They're completely off. You said these are places that aren't places. They really are. Yeah. And so um, he invited us at one point, we, and that's another long story, but we started out by helping out with mosquito nets, malaria medications, um, and then we realized the spiritual need, and so we sent money to build a church 
for this community that wanted to know Christ. Awesome. And we'd done some work there, and the chief donated some land, and he said, we want you to build us a place to worship God. Okay. And we were kind of like, oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Well, we built it, and then there wasn't a pastor. And so we're kind of like, oh, God, please send a pastor. Well, here's an amazing story. There actually was a missionary, a local missionary, who had been going around to these villages. And he had been coming to this village, and he was praying, God, if you would just build me a church. <laughs> So we're here in America praying for a pastor, and this pastor's in Africa praying for a church. Nice. And he shows up one day, and there's a church building, which, I mean, you know, blows his mind completely. And so at the time we were able to go to Africa, for the first time we were actually able to meet that pastor who had been praying for that church and us who had been praying for a pastor for that church. Yeah. And then he started taking us around to a lot of the villages that he's working in, He was born and raised in this region, and his heart is just really for evangelizing. And so um, we built our second church, four water wells, malaria medications, and now we're taking Bibles in the native language and putting them in the hands of people who um, may be hearing the gospel for the very first time, who have never even seen a Bible, and now they have a Bible. You know, we're talking generations. Right without scripture, without Christ. And it, it is a very humbling thing to think how we're changing the shape of future generations um, with the work that we're doing. Yeah. Um, but we go there, we land, and we get in what they call motor kings, and we cross rivers. We go to places in the backside of nowhere. You know, you take a day's worth of supplies, and man, it is just... And then you just preach the gospel Yeah. to people who may ha- have no concept of Sometimes, sometimes, uh, villages that may be hearing a clear gospel presentation for the first time. That's amazing. It's, yeah. Oh, it's exciting. What yeah. I find fascinating about your life is, like, you're not a full-time, full-time in sense, like, paid to do mission work. No. Like, you've, you start a small business, right? Yeah. Um, you fund this yourself, and, and you're just, like, an average guy who's heading over to, to Africa and doing some other things as well. So, can you tell us a little bit how, like, what does your nine-to-five look like, even though I know it's not a nine-to-five? <laughs> Ah, you know, I work hard enough to support ministry. Yeah. <laughs> that's No, I, I think, Nick, you kind of understand that. I do, you know? yeah. Um, but, you know, really the passion of the gospel just burns inside of me 24-7. And I think all-in Christianity is about that. Mm-hmm. For me, the gospel is an all-in affair. It requires my health. It requires my mind. It requires my finances. There is no area of my life that should not be in reciprocity, receiving from and giving to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. When I think of giving, I don't just think of my checkbook. I think of my mind. I think of my body. I think of my finances. I think of my place in community, my reputation. Your time. Your time. It's it's an all-in venture. Many things that we put before the gospel, the many things that we almost use as an idol to put before what, what we should be doing? So somebody, uh, the word worship, W-O-R-S-H-I-P. I get into etymology, not entomology. There's something about that that bugs me. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but etymology. <laughs> Come we on, need Nick, a, that's good stuff. We needed a dad joke. <laughs> but etymology, worship literally means worth-ship. What's he worth to you? And I think that every action of our life assigns value to the gospel at our level. So for me, it's worth it. Yeah. 
it's almost um, you get to give. And that's yeah. that's what really passions me. So I'm over here taking notes. Of, uh, I'm just going to steal some of these one-liners from my sermons. <laughs> Alas, Master, for it was borrowed. <laughs> it was, it's, it's all, of, yeah. Yeah, I just find that interesting how you mentioned, like, the gospel demands, you know, your mind, your finances, your health, um, just everything in your life, right? And how that so many people think that we pay full-time missionaries, pastors, to go do the work of the gospel, when that's not, that's not the case at all, right? That everyone's called to go all in, so it's... Yeah. I think you value, for me, not everybody. For me, I value it differently when I'm sort of paying my own way, so yeah. to speak. Yeah. You know, you don't, no, well, there's no such thing well, like, as wasting it. It's like but. every dollar has a purpose at that point. Like it's not someone else's money, but it's like every dollar that you're spending has a purpose because you went and made it and now you get to go and spend it on ministry or missionary work. And it's, you know, now it's got a purpose. Now, now it's real. Yeah. You know, now you see what you what you put into it and where it goes. One of my ministry partners, he said, we think we're judged off of what we give. He said, but what if God judged you off what you keep? Yeah. <laughs> what if you turned the tables You'd on probably that? look pretty guilty in the end. Yeah. But, you know, we can give it value. I mean, yep. you yep. can give everything you do value by turning it over to grace. And I'll just say this about grace, right? I mean, in my mind, there's a there's a difference between mercy and grace. Like, if you look at zero... And all the negatives, that's mercy. Mercy means you don't get what you deserve. I did something and I deserve penalty. I'm not going to get it. That's mercy. Grace means I'm getting something I don't deserve. It's all the positives. Yeah. And I say grace is there so you can try. God's, you know the acronym, grace. God's mm-hmm. riches at Christ's expense. Mm-hmm. Tap into those riches. I mean, what do you think they're there for? Right. They're not there so we can be self-indulgent. The riches of Christ are there so we can change the world. That's what the riches are there for. Yep. And I'm all about tapping into the riches of Christ. I'm not just talking about the riches of some bank account. Whatever, he owns cattle on a thousand hills. But we have a richness that the world can't tap into. What do we possess that the world can't tap into? Well, love, joy, peace, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, meekness, self-control. The fruit of the Spirit, that belongs to us. And if we're not tapping into that richness and allowing that richness to flow into the world, where's it going to come from? Right. So I think as Christians, we just turn it up to the maximum that we possibly can about allowing, I call it being the conduit of grace, because grace isn't coming through the devil. That ain't going to happen. Right. Grace isn't coming from the world. Grace isn't coming from the flesh. Yep. Grace is coming from the Father. And as many venues of my life that I can pump that grace through, that's what I want to do. Yep, reach that many more people in every aspect of your life. Absolutely. Yep. So I think we're going to go ahead and cut it off here and bring you back next week. Sound good? Well, yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I heard you have some other very special guests. Well, going. we do. We do. Time, but you're, we, uh, Nick thinks you're special, too. So it's... <laughs> yeah. Oh, I've been special my whole life, <laughs> yeah, RT. Yeah. I promise you I'm special. <laughs> so thanks for joining us today. Yeah. Make sure to listen next week for Daniel Earl Part 2. Yeah. Ooh. Right? Sound good? It'll be a good time. No. Yep. We're going to get in trouble. Uh, Get in trouble. All right. Share it on social media, and we'll see you next week.